Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Uh, look, that was a game that I was not expecting to see. We are here to recap the Iowa State game. And if you listen to the episode we had yesterday with Sean D, um, we both expected Ochai to have a fantastic game. And when the news came out that Ochai was going to be out for this game, I thought it was going to be a bloodbath the other direction. But here to help me recap all of the action that happened in, in tonight's game, yesterday's game, If since you're probably listening to this, on Wednesday morning, it is Kyle Davis. Uh, Kyle, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm better than I was three hours ago when lo- looking about what we thought was going to happen with no Ochai and no Remy and going on the road in a hostile environment after just losing to Kentucky. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good now. Oh, yeah, me me too. Um, you know, this was one of those things, like, I saw that was coming, and then I saw that Remy was out because of his knee, and it was just like, Okay, if Iowa State doesn't beat us by like 15, then maybe this team actually has its stuff together. Like it's just a matter of, you know, they needed some adversity. And 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 it's weird too because we've, you know, talked several times throughout the course of the season that this team and individual players themselves tend to play better when their back is completely against the wall from the outset. Like they're not very good about adjusting in in game. So if things go completely wrong, then uh, they have a hard time adjusting, you know, during a half. But if you give them halftime to kind of regage and do what they want to do, and they're not dealing with a gigantic athleticism disadvantage that they had against Kentucky, um, you know, if, if, if you give them that opportunity to really plan for the problems that they're going to have, then they can usually find a good way to get around it. And a lot of that's Bill Self. A lot of that's the way that these players kind of rise to the occasion. Tonight, Kansas winning 70 to 61 on the road, you know, at, at Hilton Coliseum up in Ames. Um, this honestly, it felt like this game probably should have been more of a blowout for KU. Um, if, if you're looking at this though, there was a lot of guys that had really great performances, especially when you account for the fact that, you know, many of these guys don't normally play a whole bunch. Who were you most impressed by in tonight's game? And it's a long list, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I did tweet out before this, that if, if, 
Yesufu kept this up that I'd be talking a lot about him because I've been on the Yesufu bandwagon uh, for a while now. So I think he was the one who kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I think, you know, McCormick's efficiency surprised me. I mean, he, he was shooting midway range jumpers like he was Carl Malone out there and then also grabbing rebounds. Harris, I think we know we can get that from him from a assist and steal standpoint. His, I mean, he's that, the hook shot is just, I guess, deadly against Iowa State. I don't know, that little like, runner falling away kind of over the shoulder off the backboard thing is just it's never going to miss apparently when you play the cyclones but um uh, so yeah i think we were i was texting with the buddy about who's kind of like you got to kind of play with the game rankings probably harris one mccormick two which i know kim palm disagrees with me probably yes for three and then you could have Wilson and, and Braun in there, and Brown anywhere, anywhere from four and five. I mean, you know, Wilson had a terrible first half and then really stepped up in the second half. And so, I, yeah, and, and really, they, I guess they all complemented each other well enough that, that that was kind of one of those games where if you look at a big picture, you know, 16 turnovers at halftime, you would think if maybe you saw this result that KU would have hit, I don't know, 10 threes and just had been on fire, but they weren't. They were five of 13 from three. It was just everyone kind of did their job. They rebounded well. They went after steals and loose balls better than Kentucky. I think that was one of the complaints against Kentucky is that there was just no, you know, they just got outbeat on on every kind of hustle play. And you saw that was definitely, you know, the ship was righted there. And then just the passing and breaking the press and and, and taking advantage of the, the, the jumping defenders trying to go for the steals and like the back doors and whatnot. There's just it's hard to, you know, there's so many options that it's hard to kind of call out one guy because I really do think that lineup as a whole of like Harrison and Yesufu kind of the one, two spot share in possession with Brown, Brown, Wilson and, and McCormick. Like they just, I mean, they could, if they could have kept playing, they could have got this thing up by, by, you know, 15 or 20, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely one of those things. This felt like the kitchen sink game that we knew had to come at some point. This was Bill Self throwing out a bunch of different lineups to kind of see what would work and what wouldn't work. And luckily, Iowa State is not, you know, a very good offensive team. And so, you know, when they inevitably went cold for a while, it didn't end up hurting Kansas that bad because, yes, Kansas turned it over, I think, on seven straight possessions or something ridiculous like that in the first half. And Iowa State, I think, got two points out of the entire thing. Like, it was absolutely ridiculous. And, uh, you know, we're recording fairly shortly after the game. So I don't have a chance to go actually go back and watch it and figure out what that is. But, you know, it's, it's crazy that, you know, they were able to turn the ball over that many times, you know, they're missing two of their, their more, more important players. And they were up by six to half. Like it was just an absolutely ridiculous game for them to be able to do that. Um, you know, but, but talking about throwing everything out there, they possibly could at one point they had David McCormick and KJ Adams playing the four and the five. And it was just like, this is, awful it looks bad kj adams is not a very good perimeter defender he can probably get out there at times but if you have him out there guarding the perimeter um for long periods of time he he gets lost which isn't horrible for him he's not a guy that's normally expected to be that way but you do have to think you know projecting if he's going to try to make it to the nba that's probably the position he's going to have to play so yeah and i think and again we're recording this you know it's 8:28 central time game has only been over about half an hour so i haven't seen bill's quotes but you have to think like you can we we know bill self quotes after the game long enough to that this is the game he's going to talk about you know it was a toughness game they grinded it out this was not a fluky fool's cold game where you hit 12 threes and and you know just didn't turn it over and got a win like this was one where 
you look at the box score, like it probably shouldn't have been as impressive of a win as it was, but everyone just kind of dug deep and, and it was just a gritty, hard fought team win, which is the kinds that Bill loves more than anything. So you're, yeah, this is the kitchen sink game is also, you know, credit to them. Everybody kind of stepped up and, and it, the one thing you didn't see, which is what you saw a lot in Kentucky was everyone trying to do too much. Like, it seems like that kind of got out of it because again, to your point, I think, you know, we saw Ochai leave in the first half against Oklahoma. No one really knew what to do and how to how to combat that. I think going in, knowing there was going to be no Ochai, they kind of realized that, okay, it's going to be on all of us together and no one, there's no hero ball out there. And, and I think that was probably the most impressive and surprising things because we've seen that from this team a little bit. Yeah, it's also kind of one of those things, like, Jalen Coleman land started out really hot and it looked like it was this, this was going to be a game where, you know, he was going to take over and then he banged his wrist taking a absolutely atrocious charge. Uh, I'm sorry, being the guy called for an absolutely atrocious charge. It was, it was bad. Um, and that, that could be probably a 20 minute discussion just about how bad the rest have been. And you know, the fact that we need to get rid of the charge call in college basketball because nobody can actually call it right. If it was called right, I'd be perfectly fine having it there because there's definitely a place for it. But, um, yeah, it's entirely inconsistent. Before we get off too far on a tangent, let's let's bring it back to Jalen Coleman Lance because he was, you know, he had two big threes early, um, you know, to kind of make it seem like, hey, this Kansas team is going to gain some confidence. They're, they're going to have an opportunity to really stay in this game. And then he injures his wrist, <laughs> which is not, not a great thing. I mean, look, he was supposed to be the Ochai insurance, the Ochai replacement. That doesn't mean he needs to go injure himself the same way that Ochai did just, you know, like a week prior. So... Um, you know, it's definitely one of those things though, where he came out of the game, which I think actually was kind of a blessing in disguise because it allowed guys like Yesafu to get in there. It allowed other guys to get an opportunity to play some minutes. And, you know, this was probably the game. If, if, if Yesafu goes on to have a significant role this year, whether it's, you know, 20 minutes off the bench in a random NCAA tournament game that allows them to keep going, um, you know, or putting in, you know, 10 big minutes inside the, the big 12 tournament or something like that. I think this is the game that we're going to look back to because he got a lot of confidence here. He was playing really well, played really good defense, you know, did all the hustle things that Bill Self wanted. These are the types of games that players have that make Bill Self say, maybe I can trust them out on the floor a little bit more. Maybe I can give them some more minutes and give them the development time that they need. KJ Adams had one, I think it was like three weeks ago, where he had one that you've now seen his minutes slowly increase. Um I mean, this feels to me like that's the game for Yesufu, and hopefully we see that kind of, you know, lead to him getting more minutes throughout the rest of the year. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, here here it is right here. Uh, Self's comment. Uh, David and Duan were terrific, but I think the guy that won the game for us was Joseph. I'm really happy for him and hope this gets him going. That's the Joseph we thought we would have, and I really think he can be an instant offense. And the thing is that's kind of funny about that is that Yesufu was like, what, he was – one for seven from the field or something like that. But I mean, he did it all the gritty way. He was the smallest guy on the court going up against David for rebounds and his steals and, and whatnot. And so that was another one of those, like that's how you're going to earn like self can talk about instant offense, but you go up there and you go battle six, 10 guys for rebounds and you go get on the floor with some steals. Like that's how you're going to get minutes. But I agree. I think, you know, everyone talked about his, his tournament run last year with Drake kind of not in the same way with Remy, but, I think we've thought about these guys coming in, whether it's Coleman Lands or Yesufu or or Remy in a purely scoring capacity, which is not a wrong thing to think. But I think now what we're seeing is that one, these guys could bail you out for a half or a game when it's, you know, 
loser goes home and you need a spark. But also I think, yeah, I think Yesfu has earned more minutes from just he's bought in to do all the other little things well. And that's gonna that's gonna over the long run, you know, yes, one game where he can go off for 14 points and kind of propel Kansas to a win is great. But I think we're getting to the point where you gotta think of him as, you know, a guy who can maybe consistently get 15, 20 minutes a night and and kind of hold his own as a, a member of the rotation to yes score, but also he's I think he's proven that he uh, can be a primary ball handler. He's not a liability on defense, and you know he's going to be one of those out there. He's going to come out exhausted because he's just going to go 100 percent all the way. Yeah, it's it's funny too because you talked about how how he's fighting for rebounds and stuff. I think my favorite part of the entire game, honestly, was when McCormick and Yesifu both went up for a rebound and were fighting for it when it came down. And Yesifu was like, no, I need this. Like, give me the stat here, please. <laughs> and, of course, McCormick rips it out of his hands and then goes down the court with it. But I just thought it was hilarious to see the fight that he had and just the, kind of that juxtaposition of the two guys, both fighting over a rebound long after the Iowa State players had left and already, you know, started to go down the court. But that's the kind of attitude that you need. That's the kind of, you know, fire that you need from these guys. That's, that's what we've been missing I think is guys coming off the bench guys playing those support roles that play with that same intensity look I love what Dewan Harris does for this team he brings energy you know he can score he just doesn't look for it often enough um yes if it was doing the sorts of things or at least did in this game the sorts of things that we've been wanting Dewan Harris to do all game or all year long you know um yes we we definitely like like the fact that Harris can distribute the way that he does that he can do a lot of the things that he does well to help facilitate the offense the problem has always been he doesn't look to score often enough. This game, he was looking to score because he had to, because people were giving him good passes while he was cutting to the basket. Like, there was a lot of things that went on that, you know, caused Harris, I think, to realize what it is he needed to be doing. And yes, if it was a similar type of guard to what Harris is. They're, they're, they're obviously not exactly the same. But if you look at what Dewan Harris needs to be doing to be contributing on offense for this team, Joseph Yesufu does a lot of the same things. And so having another guy out on the court than them working together and kind of figuring it out together, I think at this point, could at the very least hopefully help Dewan Harris to have that kind of fire, to have that kind of approach offensively for the rest of the year. And so like, even if Yesfu doesn't get significant minutes the rest of the year, that using this game as a blueprint for how Harris can contribute to the offense more, I think is a huge positive, assuming of course that it actually happens. Yeah, and I think the point I was trying to make earlier, and I probably didn't do a good job with it too, is I don't think Yesifu could be judged as a success now just because if he goes off for like, you know, eight or 10 points, like I, right. he's proven his worth to the team in other areas to where you can feel good with him spelling Harris or when Remy's back or whoever. Right. And, and especially when you have the Big 12 where you got these defenses that love to get up in your grill and press you and, and slap you and make them call fouls. Like you need as many good ball handlers as you can get. And I think that's where... It, it's a trust thing. And I think the, the biggest takeaway for me from this game as a whole is this was a, this was a big confidence booster for everyone who needed it. You know, not like Ochai, I imagine has plenty of confidence as he should uh, coming through this year, but I feel like to prove that they could do it without him, and everyone could chip in, you've got the big game from yesterday. You've got, you know, Dave finally knocking down some jumpers. You've got Harris finally, you know, seeing some, some points, some balls going in the basket. Like this was a confidence booster at a time when you desperately needed it, you know, given what happened two days ago. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I do think kind of to your point in terms of spelling, like you look at that Texas Tech game, the the big Monday game, um, Dewan Harris needed a break. And the fact that Remy wasn't able to go 
and that you didn't really have the confidence, I think, in any of the other potential point guards to even spell him for, you know, two or three minutes going down in either of the overtimes. If, if Yesifu had this game three weeks ago, then I think he gets some run in that Texas Tech game and maybe we don't go to a second overtime. Maybe we don't even go to a first overtime. Um, just because there was not that ability to find a guy that can do the sorts of things that, that Harris needs to do. Of course, you know, it's fair to say, hey guys, you're overreacting to one game that Yesifu had. That's that's very, very true. But I think as we have seen with a lot of these players, they all came in with kind of expectations about what they could do, and we just haven't seen on the court yet for Kansas. Um, we know that he can do this. The question always was going to be, is he going to put it together for KU for this year, or is this kind of a next year type of thing? I think this moves up the timeline that if he gets the opportunity to do it, he could probably do it the rest of the year. And oh man, Yesifu was such a beast out there tonight. He looked super, super comfortable on the court, which is a little weird, you know, being on the road for your first considerable minutes um, and and most important, um, you know, performance of the season so far. But he looked so comfortable. It honestly looked like, you know, he was uh, rocking some of the great apparel from sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. Uh, you, it's, they've got t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, more than 100 different schools available. They keep adding new ones all the time. They are right in the middle of big new Saturday season three, which is a basketball focus this year. They have absolutely great stuff that's come out so far. Cincinnati, Gonzaga, um, you know, they're, they're adding more and more all the time. They have six more weeks and I, I actually don't remember who's actually coming out this weekend but I promise it's someone that's actually worth paying attention to if you haven't subscribed yet you still are able to do that I believe through this week to be able to get advantages of the you know the the discounted shirts that come with big new Saturday and look I, I, I can't promise that Kansas is going to come out but it makes perfect sense to me that you know if you're going to introduce a school like Kansas which such the basketball pedigree that they have that you would do it during a basketball event so um, you know, once once we get to that point, if they do it, I'm going to have an absolutely fantastic time. And I know you guys will as well. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, if, if you get on over there, homefieldapparel.com, take a look at what they have. They have so many different things. I have like eight or nine different shirts myself. My wife has three or four. She always steals my stuff when her stuff is in the laundry. Um, if you use promo code CHALK12, you can get 15% off your entire first order. And all orders, $100 or more, are going to get free shipping. Again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHALK12, gets you 15% off your entire order for all the fantastic vintage college sports apparel that they have over there. All right, I don't, I don't want to spend the entire time talking about Yesifu, as great as this game was. I think this will forever be known as the Yesifu game for this year, um, just because of how great he was, even though, you know, you look at Ken Palm. Ken Palm had David McCormick as the MVP of this game. Uh, Dewan Harris was the guy that, that uh, Fran Fraschella and, and I forget the other guy that was calling the game, but the broadcast was talking about Dewan Harris. Like, I, I, it's definitely one of those things. There was a bunch of other guys that stepped up, but I, I think that Yesifu was the big X factor for this particular game. Um, I do want to go ahead and switch over to the other side of the ball now with the defense, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Talk podcast. Welcome one, welcome all. And yes, I want you to be listening to the Tortillas and Tanks podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins, going to the national championships every year. They just love to talk about all the success that your program has had. Well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back. 
crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. And we're back. Previewing this game, I think my big worry was that a guy like Caleb Grill was going to go off from three. Um, and he, you know, shot two three-pointers but didn't make a single one. He only shot three shots. Um, Isaiah Brockington got 24, which is what you expect because he's, you know, uh, again, he he's a Big 12 player of the year candidate. Um, you know, he is easily the the only consistent offense that Iowa State actually gets from, you know, f- throughout the entire course of the year. And Gabe Kalisher, you know, had 11 points. Trey Jackson had 12 points, but they only had three people that scored in double figures. Um, what did you think of the defensive effort for the Jayhawks? Uh, yeah, they, they, they did a little, I think they, I think Kansas, what they did a good job in this time and what you have to do in these road environments, especially against a team like Iowa state who plays defense the way it is, is recognize how the refs are going to call things early and then adjust to it. And they realized that they were going to let him play. And so they were, they were getting their hands in, 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 you know, toward the ball and like maybe taking a couple extra slaps than they needed to. But, you know, and I thought even you knew at one point, how badly Iowa State shot the first half that there was going to be a little bit of a regression toward the mean and they were going to knock some shots down. But even when they did, and I think they hit three in a row uh, from three and maybe two of them were over Christian, but it wasn't bad defense. Like, you know, you're watching it and I'm like, well, those are just, those are just good shots that are falling. Like I never thought there was a couple of times where, and I think one of them was actually Yesifu where the, the help defense was late and they got an easy layup and there was maybe some miscommunications there. But overall, you know, I noticed that I was actually curious about this and I checked. I think the KU's defensive efficiency jumped five spots from the middle of the game to the end of the game. So like they were, they, uh, they think they were 51 and now they're 46. If I, yeah, 46 and adjusted defensive efficiency as of right now. But so I thought it was a good defensive effort. I thought they, you know, Iowa state Brockington, you just know is going to get mid range shots, you know, and he's just going to knock them down because he's just a really talented guy who can kind of find his own shot. But overall, I mean, the rebounding was, was great out rebounded them by, by uh, 11 on the defensive glass and, and tied with the offensive glass. And again, like you got plenty of, I mean, KU does not get steals. And again, they're one of the worst big 12 teams in terms of like kind of forcing havoc and turnovers, but they had 12 steals in the game. Uh, And this was probably, again, one of those things where I don't know if it was one player, you know, being astounding on defense, but it was really kind of the whole, like no one, no one was a weak link. Like even, you know, you, there was not, sometimes you've noticed whether it be Remy or someone else that the, the opposing team immediately locks in on them and starts running plays for them. But, but the defense was, was, uh, was pretty stout all the way around. And I will say, I mean, the, the turning point in the game I think it was probably in the first half when Iowa State cut it to two. KU had just turned it over, like you mentioned, like seven times in a row. The crowd was getting into it. And then Duan gets the steal. They get a fast break. I think Christian gets that, that he, he reads it and, and picks it off at half court and, and goes in for an easy dunk to switch it back to six. There's another point in the second half, too. Iowa State gets it down to six. Crowd's starting to get into it. And I think maybe like 14 minutes left again. We just watched the game. I haven't gone back and looked yet. And then it was the defense that kind of propelled. You got some, you know, either a steal or a quick rebound outlet running. And that's really did seem to be the difference of the game. So credit the mentality, I think, from, from Kansas on defense too, to really lock in. And every time Iowa State tried to, you know, throw a punch, they had an answer. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State's offense is not ranked very highly, but what they are known for is huge droughts, very similar to what Kansas does, and then extreme hot streaks where they just will go and, you know, it seems like they can't miss anything for a good five minutes of the game. 
you know, and that's where they usually make up most of their, you know, most of the deficits that they find themselves in. Not to mention the fact that their defense is, you know, it's now number six. It was eight coming into the game. It's now at number six, uh, which which tells you something. The fact that they were that they were able to defensively, you know, increase their stature there, even though Kansas won by almost double digits. Um, it's definitely one of those things, though, where, um, you know, yes, Kansas was hot enough offensively to really kind of make sure that they weren't able to get anything going um, in terms of huge long stretches with the exception of that first half, you know, drought that they had, but the defense did a really good job of making sure that, Hey, if Iowa state starts to score, they got like three in a row, I think was the most in terms of buckets that they were able to come down and get quick buckets and, you know, kind of go on those streaks. And then Kansas was able to get a stop, which kind of killed the momentum that they had. And they did that multiple times. Iowa state is well known for those huge streaks that they go on. Uh, and so the fact that that, can, that Kansas was able to nip that in the bud multiple times throughout the course of the game is definitely a good sign. Um, yes, you have to account for just how bad this offense is comparatively. Um, you know, they're they're 123 in Kempom, which is not great. Uh, but, you know, it is one of those things where they do get a lot of offense based off of their defense. And Kansas, when they, you know, for, for the most part, was able to limit the number of opportunities that Iowa State was actually able to get. And when they did turn the ball over, you, you saw them get back quickly to be able to actually set up and play good defense and not give up huge transition points where there was absolutely nobody there. They did it a couple times. That's going to happen over the course of the game. But for the most part, if they turn the ball over, almost everybody was back in enough time that they were actually able to play some good defense on the possession. Yeah, and I think Iowa State's a lot like Oklahoma, an offense where it's not a great offense, but they they do a good job of working for for high percentage shots. So they do a lot of back cuts and, and screens and they're trying to get layups and open threes and whatnot. And outside of Brockington's mid range, which, you know, analytics people tell you not to do, but I mean, he, he, I think he gets a pass on this one, but that, that was where, you know, in the past couple of games, it seems like early in big 12 season where Kansas's defense, whether it was miscommunications or, or not knowing who to, whether you're switching or not, like they just got kind of discombobulated and always, you would think that, you know, there's always a run where then, Texas Tech or Iowa State over in Lawrence or whatever would get a couple easy layups where there's no, you know, help coming in from the weak side or whatever it is. You didn't really see that much. It seemed like they everyone was communicating much better. And maybe, you know, again, this isn't a great offense, but hopefully maybe things are starting to click in terms of of that communication and, and some of the the help principles and stuff that self's trying to do and, and the switching and whatnot, because that's always where it, it seems like Kansas is just like there's always someone who, you know, a couple passes are made and then someone's wide open from three and there's not anyone within five feet from them. That really didn't happen much in this game. No, and I, th- I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they had to up the communication on offense so much. Like, I think that's kind of been my biggest worry for the year is that, you know, it just looked like they were flat on defense. And a lot of that is because of how many great scores they had, how many individual guys that they had on the offense, that they didn't really very often run offensive sets. Um, or, or I'm sorry, I, I, I take that back because that sounds really bad. Like, I don't think that they were as crisp in their communication in the way that they ran things as you normally see from a Bill Self team because they had a bunch of individual guys that were extremely talented. When you lose a guy like Gochai Abaji, you know, you can't like look to him, hey, take the game over because we're all having, you know, we're all struggling here. You have to communicate a whole lot more on offense. And if you start communicating on offense, that's naturally going to bleed over to the defense. And I think that's what you saw here. There was a lot of, um, you know, I, I thought handoffs were better in terms of screens and other things like that. I thought they did a really good job of making sure that when they had to do switches, when they had to do things like that, that people were paying attention, that people were where they needed to be. And, you know, like, like we said, you're going to give up some, but the fact that there weren't, there weren't 
multiples back to back in terms of poor communication or you know just playing bad defense in general um, was a huge improvement for this for this team. So so looking forward, what do you think in terms of you know like what what's the biggest thing we can take away from this game, especially with Baylor coming up this weekend, probably the most important game so far on the schedule to see if if Kansas is gonna be able to maintain that you know lead in the Big Twelve and actually win the conference this year. They've they've got to. I mean, you have to think that they have to be able to defend the home court against Baylor this weekend, right? Yeah, and, and the crowd will be into it. That'll be a big help. And that's where I think, you know, hopefully Ochai's back. I think I did see a quote from Self that as long as, you know, he passes all of his tests, like the protocol, like he, should, you know, five days, like he should be good to go as long as, as long as everything goes well. So knock on wood, Kansas fans. But yeah, I think this is where, again, maybe some of the, the just the confidence and mentality and hopefully with Self too. You know, I think I, I saw on another tweet just now where, he mentioned when talking about yesterday, it was like, maybe I've been playing the wrong guys. It does seem like some, some players are kind of opening his eyes a little bit. And you know, Remy's probably not going to play if they're really, and, and I get that they're, they're, they're doing the long game of March instead of, you know, here. And who knows, maybe he will play. But I do think, you know, it's going to be, that's going to be another one of those, those scrappy efforts where you need Dave to come in and be, you know, big boy Dave rebounding 12 or 13 boards. And I don't think he needs to score 16 points necessarily, but just, you know, be efficient, not throw it into the third row of the stands. I think, you know, Jalen got some confidence in the, in the second half after kind of a bad outing. So now, you know, between Harris and Yesifu, uh, now that with, if Remy is out again, you can kind of go with that one, two punch. And so I'm, I'm interested, hopefully, you know, that I, I can't imagine I, I can't speak for what the mindset was going into the Iowa State game because I wasn't there. But, you know, just thinking if it, how much difference a, a week makes after and then, you know, losing your 20-point a game score going into a hostile territory, the mindset of that versus now, okay, you just came, you got your score back, you just won by almost double digits on the road everyone had a great game except for maybe Mitch, you know, maybe KJ, you know, but that was limited minutes. So now you're coming up against this team at home. You got the crowd behind you. You got to think that confidence is going to be much higher than it was coming into tonight. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you talked about Mitch Pettiford and then, and then KJ, like those, those three didn't play a whole bunch of minutes. They didn't really get an opportunity to get things going in and they weren't playing very well, but those are going to happen. I don't think that's going to shake any of their confidence. And the fact that you got guys, that, you know, really contributed well. Um, you know, it, it was definitely encouraging to see that quote from from Bill Self talking about, you know, maybe we're playing the wrong guys because I'm going to tell you right now, we've been hammering that point home here on the, on the podcast quite a bit um, that Bill's being a little bit stubborn at times. And, you know, look, every coach, no matter how great they are, have things that they do that they probably could do better. Um, and and sometimes it's a blind spot that they end up finally seeing the light in the middle of, of, of a season. And hopefully that's the case and everything you know, starts to turn around because we start to get different lineups in there that work really well. But obviously I still trust Bill Self to know what to do with this team. Sometimes he might need a little bit of nudge in the right direction to kind of, you know, help him kind of get over, you know, getting stuck for certain things, but, but uh, who doesn't? So, but no, going into this weekend, like you said, this is a gigantic game. Um, if you do get Ochai back, that's, that's fantastic. I, I don't know the, how, how well Ken's going to be able to hang with Baylor if Ochai's not back, but everything that I've seen, everything that I've heard about the way that the protocols work and everything, as long as he's not having symptoms anymore, 
by like Thursday or Friday, he should be good to go, you know, assuming he doesn't test positive anymore. And so it's, it's definitely one of those things now where you get him back. You just have to hope that there's not a bunch of, you know, after effects of having COVID because it, it, it definitely sounds the way they're reporting it. Like he actually had COVID. Obviously they'll never actually confirm that that, 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 that that's the case, all the HIPAA and all that stuff. We just know that he was out for COVID protocols. Um, but if he is a little bit slow coming back, it's a little bit understandable, especially considering, you know, what we saw from all the COVID stuff from last year. Um, so I'm not necessarily super concerned. The fact that we have more guys we can throw out there is going to be a huge boon for this team. Um, and you know, really quick on, on the Remy situation, you know, Fetch and I were big proponents of the, Hey, if his knee's giving him problems, you rest him until the knee's ready to go. Honestly, if we lose this game against Baylor, if we end up being third in the Big 12 because Remy Martin needs to sit for three weeks to get fully healthy, but then he's ready for Big 12 tournament and, you know, NCAA tournament, I'm all for it. I will deal with that. Look, it's nice to win the conference, but now that we don't have a streak to worry about anymore, um, you know, if we have to lose the conference to get ourselves, like the regular season conference to get ourselves set up for the postseason, which is what the big goal is, then then I'm all for it at this point, so... All right, Kyle. Um, it's also worth, it's also worth noting out real quick. That I was just going to say that Baylor is also, you know, been struggling with those. Like Flagler didn't play on Monday. I don't think Cryer played either. Akinjo like, had Akinjo some played, issues as well, he, yeah. But he he played this game, but he had 38 minutes on this game, but he had been out. So, like, Baylor is not at 100% by any means. And I don't know with, like, Flagler and, Flagler and some of them too. So, yeah, it, I think this is just going to be life in, in conference play during a pandemic where, like, between injuries and protocols and whatnot, like it's, it's going to be rare where both teams are at a hundred percent, unfortunately kind of moving yeah, for forward. Sure. And hopefully as long as everyone's good by March, then, then you take that for what it will be. Yep. All right. Well, you know what, after this game though, like this was the perfect bounce back game for the Jayhawks, considering what happened against Kentucky. Um, look, you, you didn't lose a game in conference play. So it doesn't affect your ability to, you know, keep up in the conference race. You are ahead of Baylor by one loss at this point, seven and one versus Baylor seven and two. So you you are keeping pace at that point. Uh, you know, you, you have the inside track. You have to feel good if you're a Kansas fan that everything's kind of back on the right track. Um, and obviously this this weekend's going to be a big test. Like I, I came into the week saying that they could go one and one and still feel really good about their, you know, probability of winning the Big 12 conference or at least sharing the Big 12 conference. Um, they win this game against Baylor. It's hard to see anybody passing them so that they don't get at least a share. So there's a lot on the line here. Um, it's going to be a fantastic game. We will have a preview with someone from the Baylor side to get to know the Baylor team a little bit better because it's the first time we're actually seeing them this year uh, in, in terms of Kansas. But that will be coming up for our Friday episode of, the, of this week. But uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. This was absolutely fantastic to get this game recapped. Uh, Kansas fans should be really, really happy tonight. Um, you know, making sure... Go celebrate this win. Uh, I believe we're going to be talking, though, uh, today, when you're listening to this, is National Signing Day. It is the, you know, the the late signing period. Um, so tomorrow, I am looking to be talking about football recruiting. Uh, so that way, we can kind of wrap up the recruiting class and kind of talk about all that. So make sure you tune in tomorrow's episode because it's about time for a football update, especially with the way that that season ended. I'm sure everybody kind of wants to, to to think about football a little bit and what the hope is there. So But uh, all right, Kyle, thanks for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, which Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. And now there's a whole lot more of them, so you you'll you, you don't want to miss any of them. Uh, if you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be great. You can do that now on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. 
Um, so, you know, giving us that, that five-star rating, it does a, a whole lot to actually get the show out there so that more people can, can be paying attention to what we do so that we can bring you guys more great content. Um, if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. Um, we are part of the 1012 network, you know, the network that covers all the teams in the, in the Big 12 conference. Uh, look, I, I say all the time, and I will continue to repeat this, that the best way to know how the Big 12 Conference is going to affect Kansas is by figuring out what's happening in the rest of the conference. So if you head on over on Twitter at TEN12Network, you can find links to all the shows that they have there that does absolutely fantastic coverage of every team that we have here in the conference. Um, but we are on the Anchor platform. Make sure you leave us a voicemail. I've been waiting for someone else to do it so we can get other people's voices here on the show. We would love to answer your questions or you know talk about any topics that you want us to to, to, to talk about, just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and you can leave us that voicemail there, um, and I promise that we'll get it on the show. Just last last final thought, make sure you visit our sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Absolutely love what they're doing for us. Remember, that promo code CHALK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. But uh, that is going to do it for us tonight. Kyle, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.